So, God bless you this morning. Um, we have a real treat this, this morning, and I am really excited about the word that Scott Lycan is going to share. Uh, Scott and Becky uh, have kind of a very unique place in our lives. Scott and Becky Lycan are not only our best friends, Scott happens to be the pastor of the Antioch Church in Boone. Woo! Uh, where it's actually a little closer to where the Lord lives, in my opinion, but uh, the mountains are just, I've never seen one I didn't like, and they, they live there all the time. Uh, but they happen to be also spiritual parents to many of you in this place and all over Raleigh because they were pastors here. That's when Brenda and I met them about 25 years ago. And then... It just so happens that we have another very unique uh, shared experience is we each have three of the same grandchildren because their daughter married our son. So that's really unique, and we just are glad. That, so we have all kinds of excuses to get together. But I really want to welcome Scott because I, today this song that we sang this morning about the father's house. You know, we all want to come to the Father's house, don't we? That's what Jesus, that was the purpose of Jesus. And there are so few fathers and mothers, but Scott and Becky Lycan are real fathers and mothers. And Scott's going to share a word about, if there's one thing I can say about the Lycans, they have doggedly pursued the presence of God. I, I, I've... It's so fascinating to see their journey, really uh, out of a place of privilege and status to a place where they go, I want to be counted among those who are radically sold out to Jesus, and I could care less about all those things in the world. And I know that that's part of the journey they've made, and it's part of the journey because they have counted those things as rubbish. So let's give Scott a big round of Appreciation. I love you, brother. I'm so glad. They messed me up. Messed me up. You just messed me up. Sure. God's doing something. And uh, gosh, where do I start today? Will you join me in prayer? Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable. But even more than that, I just ask you to come, Spirit of the living God. You promise to inhabit the praises of your people. That's in your nature. And you say your word won't return to you void. So build your church. Build your people. Advance your kingdom. And we invite you, Lord, to do only what you can do. Uh, for your glory and for our good and for the uh, advancing of the kingdom of God. 
I ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, last Sunday at Antioch Boone, like Paul said, or Paul said, like Steve said, we, we just think that we're just a little higher than y'all. Um, and, and, the, uh, and, and, the, and the living water flows downhill. And, uh, and all that's true. Um, last week I had the experience of getting up and I, I, uh, I found on Sunday morning um, I couldn't stand up during worship. And that doesn't happen uh, often. And so that's my confession and my repentance is I don't let that happen very often. And uh, it, so as I get started here today, um, there, there's some terms that are just, just kind of being rebirthed in me. And I believe in revival. I never grew up uh, knowing what revival was or meant or we didn't use words like revival in, in, in the church I grew up in. Um, There are three words I just want to start today, and then I'm going to read the word because it doesn't return void. And, and what I do with that is, uh, is secondary. But the kingdom of God in this season is definitely, there are three things that I uh, uh, want to start with because I can hardly talk now. Y'all mess me up. And that is, if you, it's just about Surrender. grow weary, surrender. I grow tired, surrender. What's the answer for the cares of this world? Surrender. I, I don't have anything better to say than to use an old Graham Cookianism, just die quietly. I, and, I, and I say that kiddingly, but, but, but that's the key. The key to the kingdom is surrender. And with surrender comes the concept of repentance, which is, I can't keep doing this the way I've been doing this. And, and the answer to that then is, okay, then quit, surrender, and change your direction. I'm under a bondage. I'm under weariness. I, you don't know what I'm carrying. You don't know where I've been and what I've done. Exactly, I don't. But there's a God who does. That's why we're here today. So surrender. Don't carry what was never ours to carry. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And I, and I keep forgetting that, and I keep thinking that somehow I'm supposed to lead a certain way or serve a certain way. Or I've got, and it's not that I, 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 I'm not telling you not to be responsible, but I am telling you that And this is a, a bumper sticker, but God's God and you're not. So surrender. Repent and forgive. Repentance means I'm not going to carry, I'm going to change. But I can't do this on my own. You're going to have to do that. I surrender. Forgiveness is saying I'm not going to carry their junk either. I'm not going to carry what they put on me or what they did to me. I've got to let it go so that I can repent and change direction. 
And the only way out of the rut of unforgiveness and offense is to surrender. There's no, there's no justice quotient that you can do to make things right. That's not your job. That's just, and, and I, I, I don't know who I'm saying this to, but this is, this is just so messing me up. And if we go home now after this kind of worship and the truths that we've been singing, then it's a, it's a win-win, okay? Repent, forgive, surrender. The kingdom of God is such as these. Everything else is icing on the cake. The building, the kids' ministry, you got pews, you got it all. You got lights. I haven't sat on, stood on a stage. Okay. So having to, here's, here's, so, so, so that's, there's the punchline to the whole day. Surrender. Repent, forgive, surrender. Jesus has done all that stuff. I, I, I kind of messed up this morning. These little piece of paper, it was wonderful seeing kids come and take them. Uh, these are prayer requests. And so I kind of open with saying, what season is this fellowship in? What season are you in? Because there's a definition that God is doing something in the earth. That's just a no-brainer. God's doing something. Everything else is being shaken. Everything else is moving. It is an evidence that God is doing something then. That's just an empirical fact. And what I brought with me from the mountains to you all, to the Piedmont, is these are prayer requests. The season our church is in is this, and I'll try to make this really short and get to Galatians. We're recognizing our identity is unique. Your identity is unique. Your calling into this fellowship is unique. Your, this fellowship's calling in the region is unique. No one else can fill it. I'm, I'm Armenian enough to know I got to respond to the grace of God, but I'm Calvinistic and Reformed enough to say there's no coincidences. God's in the middle of that. God, I don't know why he brought you here today and why he brought me here today, but he brought us here today, and there's a purpose that he wants to accomplish. And we're not puppets. We get to be partners. And what I bring to you today is something that within the Antioch sink is needed. Part of the season our church served in is we are in our sixth building in three, less than three years. Obviously, God's not trying to tell us that the building is the church. He's trying to teach us the building is the people. The church is just the tent that we inhabit and get to make use of temporarily. Okay? Got that? So if you're coming here because this building's in a convenient place, recognize that's not why you're here. You're here because the Lord is drawing you here. And this keeps you out of the rain and keeps you warm in the winter and hopefully cool in the summer. I remember living here. So, so, so here's the other thing that we learned. For a year, we met at a, at a resort called Shatola. Shatola has its largest resort and the coolest resort in the high country. And they have 40,000 visitors a year. There's a, heart, there's a bowl put by an elevator that says, let us know your prayer requests and we commit to pray for them. The owner is just a kingdom of God guy and, um, and he gets some grief for that. Um, from some sensitive people, but this are some of the prayer requests. I brought, last week I had roughly 500 prayer requests, and our church gathered up and began to, we've been praying over them every, every week when we were at Shatola, but we're not at Shatola now. But the anointing of the call on our church clearly is saying, 
I put you, one reason I put you at Chitola in that season was that you would become a church that prays. And we take seriously, my house will be called a house of prayer. I'm borrowing from Mark, when Jesus cleansed, cleansed the temple because it was the court of the Gentiles that was becoming a place of commerce. And the church has lost its hunger to see the Gentiles come into the kingdom. And that's not supposed to be work. That's supposed to be the witness of our lives, not a program that we're supposed to crank out. And central to that is praying for people. So what I want to encourage you to do throughout the time today, before I leave and pack all these back up, I would like you to come and take on some of the burden of our Antioch Fellowship, which is to pray for people that you will never see in all of your life this side of heaven, most likely. Because that is what God's heart is. We would pray for those that we just incidentally interact with and believe God's in the middle of it somehow. That sense of expectancy that it's so easy to let go of in the weariness of the daily grind. Is, is that making sense to you at all? So, so and, and here's my text. This is, this is like my addendum text. Reading out of Revelation, John's vision. Who's worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth is able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly, John writing, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to even look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered. So he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb. Get that? Lion of Judah, lamb. I saw a lamb standing as though it was slain with seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, and, onto, and sent out to, unto all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders found down, fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and the golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy of you to take the scroll, to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And I just come to you today and I say, your prayers have coinage in the kingdom of God. Don't care where you are in your walk with the Lord, but... but But you have power that you know not of, that the Lord is waiting to appropriate, to advance what he's doing in the earth. And this is, there, we win. No, we not. He wins in the end. We know where this is going, and we need to move more than just endure 
The COVID experience is not meant to be something we endure or just get through. It's meant to be something that strengthens us and reduces us down further into becoming the people that God has meant us to be. It is a crucible experience, and I don't know why it's happened. I don't know, I don't know all of that, and I'm not going to assign COVID to God, but I do know this. All things are meant to work for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And if that's a true truth, then what I need to do is just simply stand, stand back and look and say, so what are you doing and what can I do to partner with you? Not to earn your favor, but because I have your favor. And I'm just encouraging you, so pray for someone you do not know and that you will never meet, and it becomes part of the incense of God that in the end of time, in the fullness of time, plays a role in the advancing of the kingdom. Now, some of you are prayer warriors, and some of you are prayer novices, and some of you are clueless, and you can't close your eyes without falling asleep. And God, you know, he knows that. He knows that. And you know what? It doesn't matter. And it's because he knows that. Does this make any sense to you? This is, I'm, I'm following, knowing I'm following behind some really powerful preachers. And then you get me. And, 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 and I'm just kind of, I, 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 you know, I ain't much. But it, But I'm learning how to surrender. Let me take to Galatians. And, and here I'm convinced. This is, this is, I want to I remind you who you are. I want to remind you what season you're in. And I want to remind you and call you up into an organic, natural, overcoming life. Especially for those that have grown weary of doing well. And... Um, so let's start in, in Galatians, if you have your Bible with you or your iPhone or, you know, your scroll. Um, that really wasn't that funny. I, I, hey, you guys are really gracious. Um, gosh, the clock hadn't even started. What's wrong? That, it, and we started. Okay. I'm in Galatians 3. That's in the New Testament. Oh. I'm going to read the whole text and I'll come back and we'll take it you know, a step at a time. The text deserves that. Before the coming to this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. Verse 26, third chapter. So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have closed your have clothed yourself in Christ. There's no Jew, no Gentile, neither free nor slave, nor are there male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
what I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because we are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our own hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Formerly, you didn't know God. You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, and this is a key concept, but rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved to them all over again? And kind of my question to you is, so what's the new normal going to look like for you? What's post-COVID going to look like? I mean, I'm excited to take the mask off and recognize people and greet and see people's smiles and and recognize people. But, But there's a deeper question because the natural man wants to get back to the way it was as soon as I can. And God's just not into that at all. He just really has no desire for us to go around that mountain again. And and where he is called, he is provided. There is no stronghold that he can't break. There is no pattern that he is not willing and able to help us do it. But it requires that we surrender and desire to repent and turn and be willing to forgive or at least willing to be willing to forgive and then just go... That's not my, here we go, Lord. So here we go. And, and whether that's I'm not watching TV anymore or I'm, I'm, I'm not, I was with three guys I, I'm discipling now, and, and they started doing this you know, while we were sitting having breakfast. And they immediately called each other out and said, we're doing too much of this, which I don't even do that well. I'm, I, I'm, but you know what I mean. They're just smart. The smartphone is an appendage of their life and plays a larger role in their life than, than lives. And my wife will tell me, I don't want the smartphone at the table. And the recognition I have is, my phone is smarter than I am. And, and I just need to get over that and get back to building human relationships with real people so that I know I'm praying for people, not causes. So let's take this apart real quick. This passage is about epochs, about the, the E-P-O-C-H-S. I, I don't know if you pronounce that. Some people call that epic, epoch. There are seasons that are big history seasons. We are in, whether we like it or not, we're in the season of the Spirit. Jesus brought the season of the Spirit. God is present in our midst, 
because he dwells in our heart. And whether we grow up Pentecostal, charismatic, reformed, uber-reformed, Calvinistic, Armenian, it just, uh, that just doesn't matter what flow we're from. We're in the season of the outpouring of the Spirit of God, and we would call that the church season. God has chosen to partner with us. He's chosen to give his Spirit to us. And the fullness of that will be accomplished at some point in time. Jesus is coming back for his bride. And he knows what he's doing. And so our desire then is to live in community. This is all we have to do. Get along with one another. Call up the gifts of one another. And that's what he's talking about here. In Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, free nor slave, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to him, then you're all his seed and your heirs according to the promise. That, that alone speaks to me about strongholds that are in our culture around individualism, around identity politics, around cancel culture, about, about the desire we have for homogeneity. We want to cluster. The old church clustered around likeness. Kind of like the way we like to live. I want to live next to people. I want to be with people that reinforce who I am and what I'm identifying with. Minivans cluster with other minivans. <laughs> old men with gold chains and old vets gather around other men with old chains and, and old vets. I mean, it's just, it's just we cluster according to reinforcing of our likeness because we need to be affirmed. Isn't that true? That's how cliques start. It's human nature. But, what, but this is counterculture. God calls us to be the light when we don't feel very light. In this season, we're moving into a season where God is clearly doing something because the enemy is obviously doing something and the world is going a certain direction. It, to to, to kind of quote Tracy Evans, I don't have to be a whole lot of light when it starts getting darker. I just have to be me. And I'll show up more and more because it's getting darker and darker. And so what I'm calling you up into, be more you. Just be more you. Which means <laughs> surrender. And learn to hear the voice of the Lord. I grew up in a season where hearing the voice of the Lord was thought to be, you're just kind of lunatic, fringy here. But when you read the word, you hear the word of the Lord. When you, when you get advice from your wife, oftentimes you're hearing the voice of the Lord. <laughs> I mean, I know which side of the bread I've buttered, you know. I, I, I mean, I, it's not getting along. It's God's put me together with an amazing woman. And to use Steve and Brenda's talk, marriage is the wonderful God's way of scraping off the rough edges and making you suitable for otherness. And the voice of the Lord is otherness that becomes oneness. And that's all we need to cultivate. And with that comes the call to love him, to follow him, and, and to use a term that used to be called legalism, and just obey. It's just not rocket science. Well, that's 
old term. That's up there with, who do we start off with? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's, obedience isn't that difficult to discern. And this is the season where there's a renewal of the, of the power of the presence in our lives that gives us the breakthrough. Because the other choices are so obvious and so clear in this season. Aren't they? Don't you reckon? You know, to use a non-spiritual term, don't you know when you get slimed? Don't you know when you read something and there's a decrease in the spirit man or spirit woman? Don't you recognize that? This isn't redemptive. This is depressing. This is pressing down on my spirit, not lifting up my spirit. I'm not off course, but boy, I'm... I'm We are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to him, you're his seed, neither male nor female, Greek nor Jew, slave nor free. The church of Jesus Christ needs to learn not to follow causes, but to follow Jesus. We'll have causes that we gravitate to. Because God gives us anointings and giftings and a heart. So what is, what, here you go, what in your, what in Raleigh or Cary or Holly Springs or wherever you live, what here breaks your heart? When you see it, you go, my heart breaks for this. And what here just gets you cranking and so excited? Because those are pretty good indicators. If you're not used to hearing the voice of the Lord, those are pretty good indicators that you're beginning to hear his voice. And as you head that direction, you'll learn to hear him more and more. Around the passions he's put in you, around the passions of joy, around the passions of brokenheartedness, and for all of us that are justice warriors, then, then you just go, I'm learning to hear his voice louder than I'm hearing the voice of justice calling me. Because... Human justice is not going to look like God's justice. It just can't be the fullness thereof. It's human engineering. And I'm an urban planner by training. I know what it means to manipulate people. I'm, I grew up as a diplomat in my family. I know what it does to try and manage things and keep enough balls in the air that everyone's still on board. That's human management. That's organizational behavior. And that's not what the spirit of the living God is doing in the middle of the church. We have to be organized, yes, because you're going to be bumping into each other in the parking lot. But, but at core, it's an organic thing. It's, it's me walking with my Lord and recognizing I celebrate our differences. I'm not looking for homogeneity. I'm looking for living stones, and he's the cornerstone. And the testimony, the win I get is the fact that we're worshiping the same God, but we look different. We're not, I'm not just a dumpy old guy. I'm, I'm part of the body of Christ. And we come up with this culture of honor thing that says you reflect the glory of the Lord. And I may really disagree with you. And I may really know and believe that you're doing something that is contrary for his best 
purposes in your life and his great and mighty design, but, but I'm not here to alienate you. I'm here to stand in his place and love you the way Jesus loves you. We want to see that Jesus gets the reward of his suffering. The old Moravian picture. That you would receive the reward of your suffering. What I'm saying that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different than a slave, though he owns the whole estate. Heirs subject guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. And we're in a flow of seasons. If, if there's anything that comes with, with me kind of getting older is this idea of their seasons of life. I was a businessman for a, a dozen years. I was, I was pastoring a, a, a legacy church for a dozen years. I've been in the nonprofit sector for a dozen years. I've been on the mission field. This, I'm not this old. Um, um, for a dozen years. I'm, 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 but, but through it all, I'm the only one with maybe Becky's help that can connect the dots and say, from season to season to season, God has been good. And his nature hasn't changed, even though the manifestation of what it looks like in my life. And so I can't worship ministry but I know that there's a linkage of the priesthood in me. And you're the same way. We, we, we want to shoot, shoot. We want to kill this clergy laity thing. And if you're coming to hear the man of God preach today, I mean, I'm an exception to the rule, but, um, but <laughs> we have giftings, we have calling, we have anointing, but, but you're the priesthood. You're the ministers. We're just called to be the equippers. And in the name of Jesus, I break off any sense of inadequacy that you carry. You're not the back of the bus. You're not the back of the class. You're not the bottom of the bell curve. You're the right color, you're the right age, you're in the right position, you're the right education, you're the right IQ, you're the right worldview that God wants to do perfectly what only he can do, and only you can do it. Is that? And Surrender. And listen. And then do it. And know that he loves you in the middle of it. For those that have known and, and sensed the presence of the spirit of the living God in your life, I want you to say two words. Okay? More Lord. More Lord. For those of you who believe on Jesus but have never had a sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. A fullness, a baptism, a filling, an empowering presence, of an outpouring of gifts, a bearing of fruit, that awareness of the intimacy of Jesus in your life. In, in, you know you, you believe it. I know what I believe. 
I believe in Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures, but I've never known Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then I want you to say this, two words. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. More, Lord. And if you're in neither one of those camps, and you just stumbled in here today, and you have no clue why you're here, The Lord brought you here. God brought you here because his heart is for you and he knows how tired you're getting. And he knows how confused we're getting. And he desires to prosper you. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, buying the new house. And I mean, that's not prospering. He wants you to thrive. There's a, there's a word. His desire for you is to thrive in him, with him, through him. Because that's who he is. He's a father. And I'm, I'm, COVID is calling all this out. But when the set time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Here's the deal. we're never going to go anywhere he hasn't gone. We're never going to be experiencing anything he hasn't experienced. We're never going to go in an extreme that he has not already walked through. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoptions to sonship. Seven times in less than a chapter, this idea of sonship keeps showing up. Or daughtership, come on. Um, Childhood childhood we are childs childs we're children we're children we're children of a king not to flaunt it over people not to be arrogant or proud but to reflect the nobility of our father in the humility of what did someone say earlier this morning second corinthians what four we carry this in clay jars. I have no idea why I brought all these prayers this week to you in a, 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 a jar of clay. I have no idea. The other one broke in the car. Um, and these are initiation uh, um, jugs. That's not the term for them. Um, they're South African. And when a young man comes into manhood, it's kind of the African version of a bar mitzvah. You, they make homemade beer. I said that in church. Um, they have homemade beer, and they pass this around the circle, around the campfire, and then one of the, the new initiate drinks of it and tells his story. And everyone tells their story. And, and so this is the jars of clay that carried all the prayers that I brought with me today. And, and I have no idea what that all means, but, but you do. He does. This is really a goofy sermon, isn't it? I, I, I mean, I really don't know where to go with you guys. And it's not because I'm unorganized. It's that there's so much that God has for you. Be not weary. Surrender. That's all I got today. It's, you just... We got noticed two weeks ago that our building sold. What am I going to do? We just got a wall painted. We just got cool lights put up. We just got all the logistics taken care of. We're still trying to figure out. We have a 12-year-old running our sound and lighting. 
And Jackson's amazing. But it's like, golly, Lord, can't you, I mean, can't we up our game? <laughs> if you ever watch this on Facebook Live, there are people walking in front of the camera. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an iPhone 12 is our camera. And I'm not trying to make light of us. I'm just saying, God does all kinds of weird stuff, and he's in it. He is in it. He is in it. So quit worrying about the logistics and just seek the presence. You're no longer a slave. That's not like a question. You aren't a slave. There's no worldly power. There's no employer that has the right to control you. There is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. I, I'm, that's, that's not like a question. There is no weapon formed against the children of God that can prosper. If you surrender, and we repent, and we're willing to forgive. How do I know that? Because God sent his spirit into our son, into our hearts. The spirit calls us out, Abba, Father. You're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you're his child, God has made you into an heir. The picture there is, there's an inheritance coming. There's a plan that he's got working on. You are heir to an inheritance. An inheritance means that there's a plan, that there's something coming. I read from Revelations 5, and it shows up again in 8. The bowls of the prayers of the saints have a role to play in the outworking of the kingdom of God coming to the end of time and the fullness thereof. Does that make, you, you, can you track that? Can you track And And we are... Each and every one of us, no matter where we are, able to play a role. We can all pray. We can all pray. Now you know God, but rather you are known by God. How is it you've turned back to those weak and miserable forces? And, and I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to lay anything on you. But I'm telling you, in the coming season, as we're coming out of COVID, we can either fall back into the old or we move forward into the new. We, I mean, it's, it's, it can't, we can't go back. We, we can't go back. You can't love your husband, love your wife the way we did. There's a new thing he's doing. It changes everything. This, this season is meant to change everything. Revival isn't about hyping something up or getting the right music going. It's about in my heart, there's something new being birthed. And I'm determined to press into Him. And that's called prayer. And I know He's got a plan. There's an inheritance. I'm an heir. There's something okay. He's doing this. I don't have to. He can be God. I don't need to try and be God. In raising my kids, in working my job, all things work for good if I just surrender and keep following the cloud and the glory.
We are known. And we just, it is, this isn't about us knowing, it's about He knows. And that's what makes it worth surrendering. He knows what He's doing. That's kind of all I got for you. I wish I had a great strategy. I wish I had a three-point sermon. Talk to the Lord. Learn to hear the Lord. Surrender. And say, I want to change. And this is my assurance that our Father is faithful to His sons and His daughters.